Hello, America, and welcome back to another episode of To Hear Me Tell It, The Life and Times of Jerry Daniels. When you've had your daily dose of today's craziness, dealing with all them Karens out there, ride shotgun with old JD as he goes back and recounts the life and times of growing up in the South during the 60s and 70s. I believe we were called baby boomers. Stories that you will say, yep, I've done that, but I ain't gonna tell my kids, and I ain't never told my spouse. But whatever the truth be, it will be this, to hear me tell it. Being raised as a young feller to the parents that owned the grocery store, the original Butler Red and White, which was on the courthouse square, it, uh, it offered a, uh, a menu of opportunities and that were very unique to that day and that time and that environment. And I'm sure that there are other boys and girls or men and women. Yes, there's only two genders. But there's other fellers and gals that, that it, maybe if their mom and daddy owned or, or, you know, a close relative owned one of the businesses there on the courthouse square, maybe they, they – well, not maybe. I know they do. They've got their own unique stories about, you know, what it was like. I mean, I'm sure that – Cheryl and Johnny Griggs have got their stories about what their mom and daddy had there on the square. And I'm sure uh, Eddie and Stephen Allen got their stories about the little hardware in the paint store that was up there and, and the Smiths about the drug store uh, and uh, the Pennington's about their drug store. And I think even maybe some of the Matthews kin folks uh, with the uh, Matthews Goods store over yonder and you know, everything from the feed warehouse to the Giles's to the Paynes to the Rose that had a city cafe, and the list goes on. And the Dunn's with uh, Sonny's Sports Shop. Everybody remembers Sonny's Sports Shop. Uh, Miss James that worked there was a fine woman, fine woman. But anyway, what I want to talk about is is my my experiences, because they're just mine, and in the name of my dadgum podcast to hear me tell it. So this is the way I tell it. But I, I had a lot of good times. There were some bad times, but uh, it was usually when I was being a knucklehead. But there were some good times growing up as a young, you know, and we're talking, you know, third, fourth, fifth grade or whatever it was, uh, being there on the courthouse square. And back then, you know, Thursday was a half day. Everybody closed the stores. All the businesses closed back then in Butler around noon on Thursday. We didn't call it no damn siesta because that was a daily thing, but I don't, I don't even know what it was about. I would, if anybody knows, chime in and say what it was about. But I don't, I don't know what it was about. But I just know we closed on Thursdays. Uh, we was open on Saturdays. We was never open on Sundays, and that's the way it was. And Saturday back then, you know, back in those days, man, in the late anyway, just in the '60s, even to the early '70s, the uh, the courthouse square, you know, downtown, the hub of Butler, Georgia, man, it was booming. It was booming. It was packed full of people. People come to town, do their shopping and banking and what other other stuff they had to do. And 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 you could and, I, and you know on a good 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 day, man, you could smell John Turk Turk burgers, no matter where you was at on the courthouse square. And and those those were good times. But my days of growing up at the Butler Red and White involved many things. And of course, when I was little, Daddy you know, used me to, I guess, child labor and made me do things that whatnot. And I don't know, maybe just trying to keep me out of trouble. But I, I, amazingly, I'd find a way to get in trouble. Even if he was giving me stuff to do to keep me out of trouble, I could get in trouble. Believe me, you. But uh, one of the things I love to do, other than being back there playing in those trucks behind the the, uh, the store across the alleyway there, 
that old milk truck that never moved. It was just used for the freezer capacity. Or climbing in the garbage pit. I used to climb in that garbage pit all the time, you know, and and uh, go back there and throw rocks at squirrels and and whatnot. And and I loved all – it was something about that smell. I always loved to go over there and visit Mr. Sonny and Miss James and and uh, Lynette James and talk to them a little bit and, and whatnot and – and uh, it was it was it was cool. It was cool. I don't, I don't know what else to say. But you know, and if Mama was up at uh, at the beauty salon, I'd go in there, and it was I will never forget those smells. That, you know, smells bring back a lot of memories. And I wrote about this one time because I wrote a, I wrote an article, and it was published in the paper. I wrote a piece. I shouldn't say an article, but I, I wrote a I wrote a a piece about uh, Carolyn Gwynn and uh, and and what she said to me, and and. Right before she had passed away, I don't know if it was weeks or days, but it was before she passed away. And I was active duty in the Navy, so I just, I just happened to be home. And God blessed me with the opportunity to go see Miss Carolyn before she had passed away. And I, uh, I'm grateful for it, and I relish that opportunity. But when I was a little boy, I would take off and I would, you know, run. I probably never walked, but I, I would run up to the, uh, the Smith's Pharmacy, and the and the sidewalk had that little incline, which, you know. Today, I mean, if I owned a business up there today, I'd, I'd be I'd be ticked off at these young punks because that's what I was. I was just a kid, but I'd be riding my damn bicycle up and down that sidewalk all day long. And uh, gosh, we must have been a nuisance now that I look back in it. Retrospect, we had to be a nuisance, but it was fun. But uh, I would walk. I'd run up to the drugstore, and I would go go in the door. And as soon as you walk through the door of this old Smith's Pharmacy. I think to the right, I think there was a big uh, Coca-Cola box or a cooler box had Coke's in or something. And then to the left was where my attention went because that's where all the magazines and the comic book were. And I would spend hours up there sometimes scanning and going through. And uh, I don't think I ever bought anything, ever. I just read the crap out of them, front to back. You know, and 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 they had all the magazines up there and Miss Carolyn would sit up there and there was a man that sat at the front door, and I don't know his name. I can't remember his name, but he would sit at the front door, and for some reason, beyond me, he would be inclined to grab you by the arm, and if you had hair on your arm, he'd rub his palm real hard and fast in a circular motion, and he'd make little knots out of the hair on your arm. And for some reason, he thought that was funny. And it happened more than once, so surely I knew it was coming. And then, and then you'd have to sit there and you'd have to unknot your little hairs on your arms. I don't anyway. Not sure why I told that, but that's what the guy did. Uh, he thought it was funny. But uh, I'd go up there and I'd read. I'd read all the books. Now up there in these magazine racks, when you go in the door to the left, there was a bunch of uh, like little tall carousel type things where all the comic books, whatnot. And uh, I wrote down a list here of of some of the books that I remember. You know, and and this and this is what gets me. There was books, there was comic books, uh, that were horror, horror comic books back in those days. I don't even know if they even have stuff like that today. But I do remember those books were damn. They scared the crap out of me because they, you know, and this was back before computer images and stuff. So somebody was sitting in a room drawing this stuff. They were an artist, but man, they were they were explicit. I mean, they showed monsters and biting people's damn heads off and chewing their necks and stuff hanging out and you know, disembowelment and decapitation and all that kind of stuff. And gosh, Lee, it was pretty, it was pretty frightening. And I look back at it, 
But I remember they they had this they had this magazine called the Vault of Horror, and I thought, and and then I say then I didn't think anything back then. I just looked at it because it was I was curious, and uh, I thought it was cool. I guess I don't know, but I look back now and I thought, dang man, I wouldn't let my kids look at that crap. It was it was horrible, but it was one called the the Vault of Horror, and then there was another there was another magazine. It was it was came out you know regular I don't know what the frequency was weekly monthly it's probably monthly, but it was either called creeps or creepy or creepers or something like that. It was just as bad. And then then it was called there was one called monster. It was either monster or monster tales or monster horrors, you know. And it was just damn werewolves and vampires and and I don't know what else, man. But it was my point being these books were explicit, man. It was golly. Who would let their, well, my mom and daddy did, but I'm thinking, dang, man, who who today would allow their damn kids to look at this stuff? There was even one called, I remember this one, there was one called Shudder. And I don't even know, what it was a horror magazine. That's all I remember. It's called Shudder or Shuttles, Shudders, something like that. But there was a, and of course, they had all the, the tall carousels, which had all the comic books in them. And there was a smell to them. Again, I guess it was the ink, that type of paper. They had a very unique smell. And they had these tall metal carousels that maybe had, you know, the, the comic books in it. And of course, they had all the, all the uh, what do you call them? Uh, uh, crap, man, I'm drawing a blank. It'll come to me in a minute. But they had all the Avengers, all the superheroes, all the uh, whatever that man's name, Stan Lee, uh, with all his comic books and all those things. So, of course, they had all them. They had all the, the Hulk, uh, you know, Spider-Man and Batman and Robin and Superman and the Green Lantern and whatever the dude that flies with wings and Thor and and the, and the list goes on and on and on. Universal, Universal Comics, I think. Or maybe it's Universal Studios. Anyway, whatever it is. I don't, I'm not a comic book person. But uh, the Archies and all that stuff. But there was, there was also uh, a book that I loved. And, I man, I, would, I loved it. It was called The Mad Magazine. And I loved it. And I loved getting to the back. And if y'all know what I'm talking about, when you got to the back, uh, you had to take the back cover and basically trifold it to make an image. And it was so freaking cool. It was unbelievable. And and I and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And it had those 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 uh, those guys called Spy versus Spy. That was cool too. And if, if anybody's young, just Google it. I'm sure you'll find it. Spy versus Spy. You'll find these these two. I don't know what they were characters had long noses and whatnot, Spy versus Spy. I always loved that. But I love the Mad Magazine. And it was, you know, in that day of time, I think it was pretty radical, if I remember right. It was probably, you know, I don't know, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe some hippies come up with it. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody had to be smoking dope to write this crap. But they had the Mad Magazine. and Oh, and then they had the, uh, the National Lampoon. I'm not sure what year that started, but they had the National Lampoon. I'd eyeball that. And then and there was a comic book. There was a comic book, and uh, there was a lot of military comic books back then, but there was one in particular, and it's called Sergeant Rock. I'll never forget reading that comic book, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. He, he was, excuse my language, he was badass, man. Sergeant Rock was tough, but he had a great, that was a great comic book series. Um, but anyway, here's what I would do, and I, and I mentioned it in that, in that story I wrote, and it was published in the Butler paper, but... I would go up there and I would sit for hours because the way the magazine rack was, not the comic book carousels, but the magazine rack was, is they were made out of wood and they had almost like a, a bottom shelf that was tilted with a little up angle. And it was perfect for a damn, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old little boy to sit down 
and lean back in there. And you can lean back and you was almost kind of lounging, if you will, and you could read magazines. And I would. I'd go up there. Now, it took a lot of practice, and I and I mastered the skill, but I learned how to grab one of the the books that I, I would, you know, by physical dimensions, thought it was going to be the biggest magazine I could look at. And then I would get me one of them girly books. And I'd grab me one of them girly books magazines, and I'd stick it inside of it, and I'd lean back kind of close. Nobody could see me. And I'd get me some, I'd get me some visual on some, on some women who was maybe not fully clothed, if you will, back in those days. Now, they didn't have that graphic stuff that they, they that stuff they got today. They didn't, they didn't have that, which later came on, you know, Playboy, when it originally came out, was just, it, it was not as detailed, explicit, or whatever. Uh, I don't, some people say, well, I, I look at Playboy so I read articles. Well, at that age, I damn sure wasn't looking at articles. I was, I was, I was, I was studying. That's what I was doing. I was studying. And, and anyway, so they had some kind of girly book magazines back then. And, uh, and then, and it would scare me to death if Miss Carolyn came up there and I was doing it. And I'd, I'd bring it to a halt because I, I didn't want to get caught because her mama were real good friends. And Carolyn Gwynn, Carolyn Gwynn was one of those ladies in town that by some kind of unwritten rule, she had whooping rights to me. And if I was ever out there at the Gwynn's place, me and Eddie uh, Gwynn, Ed Gwynn playing and whatnot, if we was getting in trouble, it didn't matter if it was Carolyn or Mr. Austin. They had, they had some kind of unwritten, sanctioned rule. They could whoop Jerry Daniels' ass if he needed whooping. And Miss Carolyn was tough, boy. She was tough. She reminded me of Scarlett O'Hara in the, in the movie Gone with the Wind. She was tough. That's all I can tell you. Uh, and, I, and I miss her to this day. She was a good woman. Good woman. But anyway, I'd go up there and I'd study on these, curl, on these girly books, you know, and I'd look at them and eyeball them and stuff. And, so I did that. And I, and I did it a lot. And you know what? I, it, you know, looking at all those magazines, I guess I, I should say this, but looking at all those magazines and looking at all that stuff, it didn't. It didn't shape me into something that I wasn't supposed to be. I don't think. Uh, Mom and Daddy raised me right, and and that never happened. <coughs> Excuse me. But anyway, so you know, fast forward it now. Years and years later, years and years later, I happened to come home. I was on active duty in the Navy. I come home, and Miss Carolyn wasn't doing well. And Miss Carolyn was my mama's best friend, other than her and maybe Myra Harris and uh, and Miss Ellen and and. Uh, Skipping one here, Miss uh, Miss Catherine Giles. Uh, th- those ladies were close to Mama, and I'm sure there's others. I'm, I'm forgetting her name, but they were they was close to Mama, and Mama loved them. Mama loved them, uh, and I used to love it when those days when Mister Mister Mr. Austin and Miss Carolyn and Ed they'd come eat dinner with us, and I think we called it supper. We didn't call it dinner, but they come eat supper with us, or we'd go out to their place. And I used to love, and I don't know why it was, but I remember when we drove out there, if it was dark on the way, or but it was always dark on the way back, we'd come back driving from Butler to, to Carolyn and Austin Gwynn's house. At that age, it seemed like a damn long ride. It, 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 I don't know. I don't understand it. it. Something happens, but it seemed like it took forever. And I remember being out at their place and how their house set up on them tall stilts and you could be in the kitchen and and you could look through a hole in the floor and see the ground down there and and the dogs under the house and 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 I remember that's where it was at Carolyn and Austin Gwynn's house is where I watched The Wizard of Oz for the first time and uh, I think don't quote me on this 
well, you shouldn't quote me on anything. <laughs> but I think, I think it was when we had moved back to Taylor County the first time, and I was in between the second and third grade, and we didn't have nowhere to live. I think we lived with them for a while, if I remember right, till we got into that old house next to the hospital. Uh, but I think that's where we lived, and and we watched The Wizard of Oz. And maybe I'm I'm off base. Maybe it was before then or something. But I remember that movie. It scared the damn hell out of me. And when them damn flying monkeys lit out and attacked them in the forest and tore the damn the, the scarecrow, they tore them apart. Oh my gosh, I couldn't sleep for nights, man. They were they were freaking scary. They I don't I don't know how they got them characters or whatever they was they was doing. You know, that's a great question. I should look it up one day. Maybe they was real monkeys and they put them damn wings on them or something. I don't know. Scared the crap out of me, though. But uh, I remember when we would be out there and when we would get ready to leave and we'd walk off that front porch and get in the car, I remember being a kid and and being out in their front yard and staring. And for some reason, because we, we lived in town, but I re- even at that age, I remember how vivid... The stars were on a clear, clear night, especially in the winter, how clear the stars were because there wasn't no lights out there. I remember that as a kid, and the smell of, you know, they had some hogs and whatnot up there, but uh, very unique smells again. The smells bring back memories. But I was home from leave, and Mama had told me Miss Carolyn wasn't doing well at all and that I should go out there. And, y'all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess I don't think I wrote about this in the story that I wrote. I'm going to confess. Uh, I didn't want to go. And the reason I didn't want to go because I don't like, I don't like that feeling of, of, of that. Uh, you know, I feel guilty because I didn't even like going to see daddy sometimes at the, at the nursing home or, you know, it hurt me. I don't, I try to avoid pain when I can. And that kind of pain and emotion, it, it hurts. And I didn't, uh, you know, I just, sometimes I'd, try, I'd rather just avoid it. I didn't, I didn't want to go. And I thought, snap. But Mama mama pressed on me that I needed to go out there. And I did. And I'm glad I did. But I went and went out there. And and uh, I basically, you know, I knew what was going on. I was going out there to tell Miss Carolyn bye. And she was in that in that room, which I've slept in that room many times, right off their little den. You walked through the den, and you went through another room before you got to their kitchen. And there was a bed right there to the left, and Miss Carolyn was in there, and I think she had basically been sent home. And and uh, and I sat on the bed. I sat on the bed, and she talked to me. And she uh, she held my hand. She smiled at me. She's one of those ladies that smiles with her eyes as well. She smiled and she she patted me on my face and we chatted and we laughed. We cried. I'm about to cry now, but we cried. And uh, I I uh, I told her. Well, I asked her. I said I said Miss Carolyn. I said I got to know something. I got to know something, Miss Carolyn. She said what, darling? I said when I was a little boy. I said, I come up to that drugstore all the time and looked at all the magazines and comic books and stuff. I said, Miss Carolyn, there was a lot of times I would look and I would use a magazine to cover up one of them girly books and I'd look at them. And I want to say I'm sorry, but I got to know, did you know? And she smiled at me, man. She patted my hand real hard and put her hand on my face. And she said, of course I did, darling. (laughs) 
She said, of course I did. I said, but Miss Carolyn, you never said nothing. She said, honey, you was just a curious little boy. You was learning. And she laughed again. And she, she said more and more than one occasion, she said, we had some good times. And I said, yes, ma'am. And by then I'm crying. And she wiped tears off my eyes. And Miss Carolyn wiped my tears. And she asked me, she said, honey, don't cry for me. And I said, well, I'm not crying for you. I'm crying for me. Carolyn Gwynn was a good woman. My mama loved her. I loved her. And I'm just sorry nobody, not nobody, I'm sorry more people didn't get to meet her and know her. Uh, anyway, point being in this whole daggum to hear me tell it is that I guess it's, I guess it's more than one, one, one objective. One is to give her honor that she damn well deserves. Uh, and, you know, Kathy and, and Ellen and Ed, they, they, they had the, they had the pleasures of, of, of having her as a mama. She was a good woman and could cook. Yep. And she could pop heads when it needed to be popped. I guarantee you that. But the point being is, is uh, back in those days, for anybody that's listening, I don't know. I don't know if any young people listen to this or not, but, uh, you know, I grew up in Taylor County. I grew up in Butler, Georgia. And the Saturdays at the Courthouse Square were, were, were man, they were busting. They were full of people, activity, noise. You'd see folks you only seen once a week, so that was only four times a month at the most. And which equates to you, you, you may have seen them, you know, you know, 30 or 40 times a year at tops. And, and that was back when, you know, the, the, again, the grocery store was there. We bagged groceries in a paper bag or you put them in a box and you always took them to the person's car. And we asked back when daddy, mama had the grocery store and we took orders over the phone and we charged, charged groceries on them, big old charge cards and, Hell, we even delivered them, took them out to folks' houses and their, and their farms and stuff. We deliver them. Uh, those were good days. It was good days. And I and I loved, and I'm thankful to God that I had these opportunities because I, I used to love, love walk running. I didn't walk. I don't think I walked anywhere at that age. But running up there to that gum uh, drugstore, Mr. Jimmy's drugstore, and to spend hours sitting on that, that wooden magazine rack looking at all those magazines and stuff, and uh, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I had that opportunity. Those those were good times, man. Those were good times, and uh, I'd be remiss not saying is to go on up a little bit further uh, to the west on the main street. Just go up a little bit further before you get to the city cafe, and there was a five and dime store. I just called it a ten cent store, but you go up there to the five and dime and walk by, and those smells. I can't describe them, man. But walking through, walking down them old wooden floor you know, aisles, if you will, and all them little old toys being them little old bins. And uh, that's back when things actually did cost a nickel and a dime. So, all right, that's all I got. I don't, I, I don't, I don't really know how I'm going to title this, what the title is going to be. I never figured that out until after I've settled in a while. But uh, Carolyn, Carolyn, uh, I was about to say Carolyn O'Hara, Carolyn Gwynn was a fine woman, and I'm glad she never – uh, stopped me or caught me because it would have probably made some kind of impression on me. Maybe I'd be living one today, but she didn't. And I'm glad she didn't, and I'm glad I did. So that's it.
And to quote my great friend Mike Coker from Elgin, South Carolina, retired U.S. Navy warrant officer, bicycle. <laughs>